1: All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the mighty manslayer, the scourge of God, the perfect warrior. The master of thrones and crowns, known to his people is Genghis Khan, and you may know him as Genghis Khan. So, Kevin, you're excited? I know you are.
2: I am excited. I, I'm Big fan. Big fan. I mean, uh, if you want to talk about, like, um, mass murders and stuff like that. He's king. He is the top of the list. Like, uh, you know, um... Uh, Hitler got about got about twelve million um give or take um Stalin was responsible for about 20 million but Genghis Khan Genghis Khan beat all of them uh he's he's uh right up there and now we don't really know exactly how many people he was responsible for
1: but it was more than five more than five a lot
2: yeah yeah and you know just like Stalin he didn't physically kill every one of these people but uh, his his um uh, was kind of like right in there. Yeah, yeah it was his yeah. his his jam. Um, now a lot of good things actually came from yes. from Genghis Khan, and that
1: he, is surprising, but it is true.
2: Yeah, it did actually advance civilization. Um, in a way, um, yes. he right. So he he uh revitalized the Silk Road. And yeah. trade from Eastern China to uh, as far as Italy was opened up, right by uh, by what he did. Um, he incorporated a lot of uh, trade routes that really kind of uh, brought globalization into like a, a real uh, a real idea, like a real thing. You know, before that, it was basically what you had was what you grew and built and made yourself in your, in your community. And, um, you know, he really started spreading things out, you know, trade between, uh, Europe and, and Asia, which had never really been a thing. Yeah. So no, they, they said when he moved, there's a lot of bad things yeah. you can say about him.
1: They they said when he moved his troops, you measured in latitude and longitude instead of in miles that that that's how big and how vast his armies were. But so
2: he didn't start out with a massive army though, did he?
1: No, he did not. So let, let's kind of go back there, back to the beginning. So he was born in 1162. So that's, that's a few years back. That's back before the Hills got dusty.
2: Um. So just after, after, a little, you know, a couple hundred years after Rome started really collapsing,
1: right? And that's it. It, it kind of left a power vacuum. Um, but all right. So when he's born, you gotta kind of understand the, the nomad uh, people here, uh, the Mo- the Mongol, sorry, it, it's that nomad lifestyle. Is I guess what I'm going for. But the the the, the people here were very a different mindset they were very about survival the gobi desert is a brutal place so yeah you kind of have grass and you have pretty fields but that's kind of all you have
2: right and you can you herd that. animals and raise animals but you have to move like great distances because <laughs> there's not enough to right. in you know in 100 acres or 200 acres, there's not enough to feed any real animals. So you have to keep moving to right. new locations to provide so, enough food and water.
1: And, you know, I mean, th- because there's such nothing there, you're actually making your fires out of like animal dung. You know, you're you're just burning your crap because that's all you got. Um, so it's kind of like that. And everything is like you're all about the milk from the animals that you got, the horses, the sheep, the whatever. Um, the, the goats, you're just drinking milk and eating meat and that's pretty much life. Um, so anyway, the man is kind of the center of the family cause he's kind of the warrior kind of thing. So when it comes to like sitting around the fire, getting food, the end of the day, right? The, the man is up there getting his, then the wife gets hers, then the kids, then the dogs, but the kids are not really taken care of. Um, in tradition, I mean, obviously I don't know, I wasn't there, but the tradition at the time was kind of, if they can't take care of themselves and feed themselves by three or four, then they're not going to make it.
2: Yeah. The weak, the weak don't survive in that.
1: that it, it yeah. So it, it's kind of a different, brutal time, you know, uh, right. they had, you know, kids at three and four, like riding sheep and, Right. you know, it, It's kind of a crazy world yeah. and different than you imagine.
2: Kind so, of like the Spartans. Uh, right. You know, the Spartans, they would they would dispose of of children that were not healthy um, in in Mongolia and in this culture. They would just die just because, you know, so yeah. it was like 50 percent of the kids that were born made it to adulthood. It wasn't right. You know, it wasn't given that you were going to make it. Daddy got yeah. the big piece of chicken. Yeah. Then mom, then the kids after that.
1: And, and that's it. So like in a way, I mean, there's definitely been cultures that women didn't have such a significant role in the the, the family as they did here. Um, typically, the men would go out and do warring and the women would handle every aspect of the household kind of thing. But another thing about this whole nomadic or er, yeah, nomadic lifestyle was that they don't really care about possessions, and that kind of follows Genghis Khan throughout his reign. I guess um, he's not about capturing big things for oh look, I have this shiny building. Oh look, I have this you know big castle, whatever. It's all kind of hey, I just got my tent and I'm good, you know. And um, but what he did find important was loyalty, and. Now, obviously, there was an – and he might have found um, having sex is important too. Kevin, you had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that perhaps um, – He impregnated a lot of women. He impregnated yeah. a lot of women.
2: Now, so my wife would point it was out, over, a a thousand, yes. over a 1,000. Yes. Over 1,000 women had his kids, and a lot of those women had more than one. And they yes. say modern population in the world – Point five percent. So half of one percent of everybody is the every man in the, in the world.
1: They, is use the direct, of they use the word direct. They used the word direct descendant. Right, I, I your dad's dad's dad
2: is. yeah yeah.
1: Well, it goes a few more if we're getting back to twelve hundred. But yeah, you it's know. a little bit
2: more than your great grandpa. But it. Yeah. it
1: but you get it the goes, idea. Goes
2: back. Yeah. He yeah. was.
1: It he was one uh, in one in two hundred. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. He was blowing loads. <laughs> um But but what to bring it back to what you said, the uh the thing of of the um having awesome stuff, you know, he wasn't into that, really. No. But in that culture, um, the way you make friendships and bonds is through gift giving. Yeah. And so this that actually served him well because when he got an expensive gift gift or expensive loot. He actually brought it to other tribes and gave it to him and was like through that and through warfare, he was able to unite uh, almost all of the Mongolian tribes into a large army. And that's really how he started was uh, he had gotten a a sable coat um, for uh, for something he had done for one tribe and he took it to another tribe and gave it to their leader to uh, to unify the clans. And that's kind of how he built his first uh, first small army. And from there, they started building building their way up. Over so, one coat made out of sable. That's
1: pretty awesome. And so it started out early where um, he actually kind of became his own man and, and took over his tribe at 13 years old. His clan is what you call it. Um, and what it was... It, he had... Uh, the, there's a story about, like, him killing his half-brother over a, a fish, but basically the idea was his brother was stealing food from the family, is the way the story kind of conveys. And, you know, I, I, I read somewhere that he had, you know, it was a pride thing. Like, he said he caught it, so he had to kill him, you know, whatever. It was whatever. um. But the bottom line is... um when he's 9 there's some discrepancy in the age somewhere between 9 and 13. I believe 9 years oh I know what it was. He was 13. He uh found a, a cute young lady in a uh, neighbor tribe who was 9 years old. And her dad was kind of like, you know, he he's kind of he's kind of handsome. So I think I accept him for my daughter, but not yet. You know she's a little young. Let's let's wait till she's thirteen, and he ends up, you know, taking this this woman for his wife or whatever, and is actually with this same woman until he dies. Um, now Kevin might point out that it's not the only woman that he's with until he dies, but it's he she's consistently there and handling business. Um, anyway, so. He's over there hanging out with the the soon-to-be father-in-law, and his dad's back at the camp. His dad gets poisoned. Turns out there's a lot of poisoning going on. Now, I don't know if they're just eating bad meat and they think everybody's poisoning them or if somebody's actually, like, got a jar of poison and they're going from place to place. No,
2: I I imagine that that. Food handling and cleanliness was not like at the top of the list when it comes to uh when it comes to the Mongolians.
1: Now, his name when he was born is Temujin, and it actually means of iron, and that could be why he made it past the poisoning. His dad, not so much. So, you know, who knows? But um, anyway, so moving right along here. His dad gets poisoned and Everybody in his tribe kind of just bolts. They grab what they can grab and they're like, we're not going to be reigned by a 13-year-old. He's not going to handle it. And a few do stay. But a lot of them take off. Right. And then they decide, hey, you know, other people, other tribes, not his own, not his dad's tribe. Other tribes are like, we're going to track this guy down and and kill him. And so he runs off. He's being chased for, you know, forever. He ends up uh, hiding out in a creek. And a guy comes by and one of the people searching for him. And the guy kind of like looks right in his eyes and he sees him. And the guy doesn't say anything and keeps going on. So he's like, you know what? I think I got an ally there. And he actually sneaks into the camp of the people hunting him, takes a bunch of food because come on, and then finds the guy and is like, hey, you got to help me. You know, I know you got my back. The guy's like, well, you know, I had your back not to turn you in. I'm not sure I got your back to, you know, stand up to people. But they end up working it out. The two of them stand up. He gets, he does end up getting captured soon after. And they put him in this thing called a con, K-A-N-G. And I could not find a picture or figure out what the hell they're talking about. Best I can tell from the description of the story, it's kind of like stocks. You know, like you used to put the guy in. So I think it's that bar, you know, like you put on an ox. And yeah. You know, um, maybe if I put the chat on, somebody else knows. I don't know. Anyway, um, the uh, anyway, they got that bar, I think, over his back, and he ends up smacking somebody in the head, taking him out, and they do get him cut out, and he uh, he goes through it for a while. Anyway, bottom line, rises up, takes power, starts you know building and building. And, but the idea is he came from, he earned every bit. He didn't get anything handed to him. Th- this kid, you know, came out of nowhere, but it, it does seem like his family was respected, you know, up to this point, but it right, had but all once his father apart. died, right.
2: exactly, exactly. Everything had fallen apart when he was a child and he had to start from scratch.
1: Yeah. Um. So then, uh, let me see where, what else I got here. He said, uh, when we can, we plunder. When we cannot, we hide away. If we get begin to build towns and change our old habits, we shall not prosper. But monasteries and temples breed mildness of character, and it is only the fierce and warlike who will dominate mankind. That, that's what his, his uh, uncle had told him, and he kind of took it as his mantra. And so that was it. They said when his armies would roll in, every bug, insect, everything would kind of move out of the way, you know, ahead of his horses, because they just trampled every bit of everything. And they just l- left a wake of kind of devastation and nothing. Now, Kevin had mentioned that he... uh he basically helped create a big change in the modern world. And they say he kind of like led to the Renaissance, right? A lot of that kind of came to be because of of what he had done. Um, so the Silk Road, that trade route, they said that it, they, they used to tell stories that you could walk from one end, you know, from, from the ocean over there by China all the way to Italy with a gold pl- a bowl on your head, and nobody would mess with you, because he secured it and insured you know that trade route, and that that's kind of an awesome feat.
2: Yeah, if you were to use that trade route, you had to get direct permission from him. Like you, not just everybody got to go safely back and forth. You had to have permission, so it was only allies or. You know, uh, people that had had given him gifts that were actually able to use that trade route, and other people obviously did, but um, you know, it was basically like you got to get permission from from Genghis uh, Khan to use these trade routes. And it, it's actually interesting because uh, before he started re- doing uh, conquering things that were outside of the the steppe region. He was actually setting up trade routes in Mongolia,, um, okay. and that's when they started to like find out like people were coming up from China and finding out about all these cities and and silk and the wealth that they had and uh, they had roads that went over rivers, like preposterous stuff, you know, and yeah. uh, he started hearing these stories about all this wealth that was just sitting out there, ready ready to be taken. And that's kind of wet his appetite, you know?
1: And that's it. And so he just kept <clears throat> expanding and spa- expanding. Now, again, it it's kind of conflicting. You know, Kevin started out saying he's a murderer. Well, no shit. He killed between 5 and 10% of the world. That's pretty significant. So, as far as mass murder and, and genocide kind of thing, that's but on the the flip side of that, it kind of is different because it wasn't like, well, I hate you because you're Jewish. Um, it was basically he would roll into a, an area and said, hey, you're going to join up with me? And they'd be like, well, I really and they'd be like, no, no. And then he'd just roll over. Um yeah, nah, I mean, it wasn't even as much as that. He would actually send a messenger out ahead and, and they would go in and say, hey, Genghis is coming and uh, you guys need to, uh, you know, come along with us. You either join or die kind of thing. You might note it from a uh, American Revolution. Maybe that's where it came from. I don't know. You know, they were like, hey, we'll be like Genghis, join or die. Um. So that's, you know, that's kind of where that... uh that came from, I mean, that mindset, right, um, I am sure people had been saying that since the beginning of time, That's probably like a Cain Abel kind of thing, but anyway, I'm going to give it to him, I'm going to give it to, to Genghis, so anyway, this guy, he would roll in, so, and he'd basically be join or die, and that's how his armies got so vast, and so giant, because he just encompassed everybody, but it kind of worked, Not horrible for you. Again, it's that culture change that people can't deal with of I have to accept somebody else's ways and I have my own. And society, the world has dealt with that in so many ways. You know, I I know a story of uh, India when England took over India. They hated England and were like, this is the most horrible thing. And now there's colleges and libraries and whatever. Now you can argue, well, it's not really better. They destroyed their culture and, you know, the modern way is not exactly a great way. And I can understand the way governments play out and things like that. It's not necessarily a great improvement, but the quality of life in India is dramatically better, but they hated what they went through to get there, Um and you know the little side story there is is because I think that a lot of that was the same thing. Um, Genghis would take all the doctors and the scholars, and he actually would send them to different areas of his control to share their ideas. Like he really was about huge developing. So it was a painful, ugly, ugly thing. But on the flip side, like Kevin had mentioned earlier, is it really helped grow and develop and made things better in time. Um, you know, uh, so then we have China. Now, there's this whole other thing. Um, pretty much, China started building walls. You may have heard stories about this. It's pretty much this guy. They were like, you know, we don't need any of that crap coming here. Um, so, Beijing, they had built a 40 foot wall completely around Beijing. And they were like, "No, we're not gonna you know go to your bend to your will, so the Khan was having a let's, time let's
2: let's yeah. be clear here uh this is we're talking about eleven hundred twelve hundred a d uh China was advanced, yeah, like their science and their math and their uh building techniques were far past uh what Europe had developed in this time." Uh, Europe is like the minor leagues and at this at this point China is like uh, globally China is 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 the wealthiest and most developed uh, country in the world and it was't obviously it wasn't China at that point but it it was the the uh, you know it was the the same location is what we're talking about
1: It wasn't the People's Republic
2: It was not the People's Republic then but okay. but it was the most developed place in the world at that point. Yes, and that's,
1: I mean, you know, and obviously you can say, well, you know what, Chuck, a lot of great stuff was probably lost because lost because the Khans went in and destroyed it. And, you know, that may be true, but I would say if you were a better warrior, maybe you could have kept your stuff. I mean, I'm just saying, right? That's really what it comes down to. So anyway, the Khan, he surrounds Beijing and they're like, you know what? How about we just cut off all their supplies and we just wait them out? So Beijing ends up resorting to like cannibalism. It's that bad, right? They're it was desperate about a year, inside.
2: year and a half, right? That they were walled up in their si- in their city, um, and it start yeah. they start running out of food, and it starts getting them like pretty desperate.
1: And basically, at that point, they they do end up, you know, just destroying the whole thing and they take it down. They say that there weren't even bones left that just once they kind of went through, they just trample and destroy everything back to dust. Um, You know, complete. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Now, Genghis Khan had conquered this massive city and all the surrounding areas at this point. Yes. And you would think, all right, dude, now it's time to start drinking and, and banging chicks. Not Genghis Khan though. He turned around and went back to the steeps because that's what he wanted. That's what he liked. He didn't want a palace. He didn't want, you know, a great walled city. He didn't want gold and wealth. Yeah. He, what he wanted was his, his home and his lifestyle. And they went back to the steeps after conquering, uh almost all of Asia at this point. It was still, you know, still early. He was still a young man, but he went back to, uh, To the lifestyle he had lived, the the nomadic lifestyle he had lived, even though he was extremely wealthy at this point and ruled everything that he could find, everything that anybody had created in all this time, he was in control of it. He still decided to go back to his nomadic lifestyle because that's what he preferred until the next stage of his –
1: His next plunder, right? And that's the thing. He destroyed – he went through the Muslim world – destroyed him. The Chinese destroyed him, went through Russia, destroyed him. All of Europe feared him. It depends, you know, how far. There was a big ocean sea in the way that kind of slowed things down there. But basically, this guy ends up conquering 10 million square miles. That's the size of Africa. So he commands a a fair amount of, of the world at this point. Um, um,
2: yeah. the, it was the largest, largest contiguous empire okay. with, uh, with 10 million square miles. Now it was second to British in total landmass 19 in 1920, the British had, uh, gotten up to 13.7 square miles of their Ooh. empire in 1920. That was their, their peak. Okay. So, you know, up until this point, it was, it was the majority of the world. It was, I mean, if you think about uh think about where civilizations were and what cities existed and what nations existed it was the majority of the of the world at that point
1: right and so he he actually brought though religious tolerance he was like oh you can be whatever you want to be for his people he was ag- against slavery but work with me against slavery for anybody in his World, Right? So you couldn't take another, you know, one of your fellow cohorts, we'll say citizens, whatever, and slavery. You know, what you did with people that were your enemies, I don't know that he – pretty much they just like annihilated everybody though. I don't really know of any necessarily, but it wasn't a rule. Right. He also set up a legal system that, believe it or not, was consistent. Throughout this whole area, which it's all pretty amazing um, when you think of what he was able to accomplish. And then when you think of he accomplished this on horseback, you know, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, let's let's get into some of his his wild, wild shit that he did, because he wasn't, you know, he was he was a, uh, you know, a. A fierce warrior. You know, they said he was the greatest warrior. You know that of his time, or maybe that ever existed himself personally. But also, the people that worked for him were were wild people, and uh, they they had a rule against shedding the blood of royalty. Okay. Uh, so that means that you can't stab them or you know chop their heads off or anything. That doesn't mean you can't kill them though. What? So they, uh, there was one guy that was complaining about, you know, that he wasn't getting his fair share of wealth. One of the, one of the Chinese, uh, Kings. And so okay. they, they gave him, they gave him silver. They gave him all sorts. They actually, um, tied him up and melted the silver and poured it into his eyes and his ears. And he had as much silver as he wanted. Um, you
1: got a lot it of all times
2: huh? yeah a lot of the times the royalty would get their necks broken because that was you know didn't shed shed their blood um, when they invaded into Russia um, they captured the royalty and they built a uh, uh, like a log cabin style box right and put all, all the the uh, royalty in in there and then they built a platform that was just kind of free-floating on top of the people
1: okay nice.
2: And they got on top of that platform and they just had a, 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 a party? massive party, just part, just part on top of that platform, crushing the royalty the whole time. And by the time they were done, all of the uh, the royalty of Russia had been crushed to death under this platform. Uh, they just had a big feast and got drinking. And, you know, eventually over time, the weight of this just crushed everybody under, you know, they couldn't get out the sides. And they just were all, you know, smashed to death by, by it because they're ballers, you know. That's how ballers act. That's how it is. You just, just got to party until your enemies die, and that's how they did it in that in that instance. Now, um, uh, Genghis Khan was a Genghis Khan was a, um, a Spartan person. You know, if you wanted to use that word, he he did not indulge in anything. You know, uh, there's one vice was that he liked alcohol. He liked to drink, and uh, I ain't hating. You know, now you. you... I mean, girls, girls and alcohol kind of nah, go yeah, together. Girls. I guess when you're a girls baller, but
1: may have been, you know, right. May have been another vice, but I don't know if he saw it as a vice. I, I, I
2: don't know. Right, but I, he he was not a, a living in palace palaces type of guy. He wasn't a
1: Lamborghinis for this guy.
2: Right. Right. So no. Yeah. So it's a rough lifestyle. And most people in that lifestyle don't make it to 40. You know what I mean? You have kids and then you die. That's basically how it goes. Um, And he lived a rough lifestyle his whole life. And and not because he was reckless with his uh, uh, with his indulgences, but because just you know, riding on a horseback, being short of food, being short of water. Um, you know, it's a, it's a reckless lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Now it's definitely a hard road and he survived, you know, brutality. Um, the thing is, I, I think the takeaway that I kind of get from all of this is, I mean, the guy commanded loyalty, he made a decision and he just kind of followed through. I think people respect, I think, you're able to grow your empire when they have when people have something to believe in um consistency rules now, but again, like you know Kevin had mentioned, he didn't acquire wealth, I mean for himself, it was all about you know hey, let me take care of the people and that's the that loyalty goes both ways it's not It's not the same thing to have loyalty when you rule with an iron fist and it's just fear. You know, and they just well, you know, I I do what he says because otherwise my head's going to come off. Well, yeah, that that kind of is loyalty, but what we're talking about here is maybe even respect. You know, that that mutual both ways loyalty is, I think, what really led to his giant empire. You know, it, it was just sharing and and being the right thing. I mean, you know, really, I think. I think Genghis Khan. I think sharing and caring. It's kind of like Barney, right? This guy is all about, hey, let me share the love. Let me all this great stuff that I have. We're gonna have it with everybody. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, somebody. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Now, um, now let's talk about some of the some of the badass stuff that happened with Genghis Khan. Um, you know, we talk about all the good things he did. Well, let's talk about some of the other stuff. Uh, there was a, a European traveler that was that was going with a caravan of, of supplies, and he was going to um, to meet Genghis Khan and ask for access to trade routes. And uh, as he was traveling there, he came across uh, this place, and it, and it just stunk like death and he said it was it there was like a weird slimy mud everywhere and as they were traveling they could see a white a white mountain ahead of them like a snow-capped mountain and as they got closer they realized that it was a mountain made out of human bones
1: i believe they used to, they referred to it as a pyramid
2: right and the and the slimy mud that he had been traveling <laughs> through were decomposing bodies bodies that had just been left out uh rotting for you know for months and months and he was just they were they were getting their wagons stuck in the slime of decomposing bodies. Nice. Like you if you opposed him and tried to uh, keep you know tried to tried to uh, you know keep your cities out of him and, and overpower him, you suffered consequences. Uh seriously. It is like malt liquor Monday guy, you know what the would do is is they would they would uh when they were traveling and and they're uh they were short on food they would take fermented milk and mix it with the blood of their horses um and and that would be what they would live on when there was no food available um but they're they they were wild people and uh did wild stuff and the way that they killed people was just like, in, they they were very creative about it. They were very creative when it came to killing people. You know, it's it's one thing to kill somebody in battle, but it's another thing when you capture people and they're still, you know, they, they had defied you to begin with. You have right. to, like, set an example, right? That's how he saw it. You have to make a point and show everybody what's going to happen when you're not uh, willing to capitulate to, to the Mongolians. And there was no... Uh, there was no stopping it. Um, now he, one of his uh, best features was that he was very, um, he was very good at at uh, picking ca- uh, capable generals. You know what I mean? He was yeah. very good at at picking people that were good at warfare and putting them in, in places of authority. And it didn't have to be like. You know, his it wasn't like a hereditary thing where, like, it was his cousin or you know his his son. It was people that were best at what they were doing. And even when he went into battle against other people, he would pick out their best warriors, and he might kill everybody else, but he would keep those those warriors and uh, put them in charge of of military units under his command. Um. One of the stories is that he had uh, had his horse uh, killed out from underneath him from an arrow, from an archer. And after the battle, that archer came up to him and said, I'm the one that that killed your horse and. uh, I want to work for you, and he put him to work, you know, gave him a position. Um, He was he was very good at picking out people that were good at that type of uh, lifestyle that they were living. And incorporating them into his own military, and that's how he built such a, a powerful military and such a large military. Um, was by uh, not killing off the people that were his greatest threats and his greatest em- em- enemies, making him making them his friends or his, his uh, you know, his employees, basically, right.
1: Well, that's, that's the thing. I think, I think one of the biggest things, I mean, you could argue for somebody to dominate the world, like, um, like he did, there probably was a lot of pride in whatever, but it seemed like consistently he was able to put that aside and, you know, make the decisions that would help him, you know, survive and, and benefit everything. It seemed like he was able to put his own pride aside in order to gain what he wanted, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's not exactly common with other people. And, I mean, this guy was able to hold his reign throughout his entire life. Um, That's an impressive feat. Um, So anyway, he... Eventually, does succumb to illness at the end. I, Look, I before didn't... that, though... Oh, oh, wait. No, I'm getting ahead. Sorry, yeah. go ahead.
2: Before that, though, he realized he was getting old. And uh, eventually, he he knew, like everybody else, he was going to die. But also, he was the most powerful man in the world at this point. And if the most powerful man puts his mind to him, maybe he can solve the issue of of aging maybe you can solve immortality and so we started working on this now we've all heard the story of uh of the epic of gilgamesh and and all these stories about great rulers uh seeking out immortality i mean jeff bezos is doing it right now trying to figure out how to stop aging i mean if you're super rich why not right start working on that stuff what you're already a baller why why not make this shit go forever so he started. He sent out his uh, some of his his men to go to the far corners of his empire and find the oldest people he could find and bring him back to him. So they tracked down a six uh, hundred year old monk, and they brought him back to uh, to Genghis Khan. And um, now I these this is the stories we're hearing from a thousand years ago. I don't know how, how accurate it is that the dude was was actually uh, actually six hundred years old but I mean he was he was believable and he brought him back and and the, what the monk had told him was that it's not possible to achieve immortality but it is in, it, it is possible to uh, live a lifestyle that's gonna bring you uh, you know bring you to a to a great age like like he was and they actually became pretty good friends um, now um, uh, Genghis Khan was, was a, a, religious, a semi-religious man. And his religion was, uh, Tengriism. Um, Tengri was a, uh, was the God, was the sky God. And, uh, like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, it was a monotheistic religion. Uh, so he basically believed in God just like the Jews did, just like the Muslims did, um, just like the Christians did. And he, uh, the, the idea is that, that Tengri was not actually like a God, like a deity, like, um, we think of, but it was more of a, a personification of the universe. And the idea was that, um, the religion basically said that, that the, the, the greatest achievement would be to become one with the universe uh, to unify yourself. And it's it's believed uh, by, by the Mongolians that uh, Genghis Khan was a personification of Tengri. And he was basically a, a perfect person living in harmony with the environment. And you can see that by right. by the fact that he he would capture great wealth and things like that, but he still lived a Spartan lifestyle, you know? he still ate and drank small amounts small small quantities except for when it came to alcohol he was well, he was a bit of a bit of a, a lush when it came
1: i to. mean aren't we all the victim here you know i mean that's
2: you know so now at one point when he was attacking china he became deathly ill um and uh he had a uh sorcerer come come to him and and the only way to cure him of his illness was that somebody else would have to sacrifice his life so
1: that's fair. that's fair
2: so I mean but it had to be a willing sacrifice you know so one of his uh one of his his best buddies uh I don't I think it was a cousin um said listen dude I'll do this I'm all in on on Genghis Khan the only the only thing you have to do is make sure you take care of my mother after I die, because I won't be here to do it. So, so uh, the guy, the guy killed, uh, was killed ritualistically, and Genghis Khan was healed. His illness went away, and he was cured. Um, this would nice. later come back and bite the Mongolians in the ass, though, because uh, oh. later on, hundred, you know, hundred years or. You know, 20 years or so after his death, his mother had started having people assassinated and Mm. there was nothing anybody could do about it because she was already like she was she had, you know, she was the condition that 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 person had used to save his own life. And she she took advantage of that. Mm. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe black magic works. I don't know what's what's up with that, but it worked out for him. Right. So. So, there was a lot of uh you know a lot of people view him as like some sort of a a monster or something like that, but he was a very religious person in in the sense that yeah I mean obviously their religion was not the same as ours but um I don't know, but some of their their religious magic worked in that in that case,
1: you know maybe if somebody had shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with
2: well and you I'm going to tell you something. They actually did. The tell Pope me. wrote. The Pope wrote a letter. Okay. To Genghis Khan, saying that he wanted mm. peace. You know, like you don't have to like come into Europe. Don't like come into Europe and start doing like weird,
1: yeah, whoa, know, whoa, whoa. And shit.
2: I like, just settle down here. But the thing is, with the Mongolian language, relig- uh, Mongolian language, there's no word for peace. The only per- pe- word for peace is the same as the word for subjugation, like. If you want peace, that means I want to be your subject. Um, And Genghis Khan wrote a letter back to the pope. And basically what the the letter said was that um, you've obviously been wicked and uh, done wrong in the eyes of God because I'm God's wrath and I've come to destroy you. Basically the most badass letter you could write would just be like, you want peace and that's fine. Um but Maybe you shouldn't have been an ass. Yeah. Yeah. You've you've disobeyed God and now he's sent me to destroy you. And uh, uh seems like like legit. They sent him massive uh you know, massive amounts of gold and, and silver to keep him from like, just don't come over the mountains, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. stay over there, we'll send you money.
1: And uh... Look, the check's in the mail, and I'm just going to get more in the collection plate. I'm going to tell them to dig really deep, and we'll send it your way. We'll work it out. Now, one of the comments here um, was about, you know, back to his brutal killings, was at some point, you know, there was an article, one of the comments here is, was uh, that they would They ran out of arrows and they would tie people together. And so that way they would all drown together if they shot. Right, they'd shoot them on the
2: the edge of a bridge.
1: Yeah. And carry the other guy. It it only makes sense. You know, there's always more ways to be creative. And I feel like if you're not involving your creative spirit, then you just kind of die anyway. So you got to always be thinking. Right. And, no, it's, know, it's kind of out. like,
2: a, it's kind of like a great society without art doesn't, it can't exist. You have to be artistic with the ways ah. you kill people. Yes. You know, yes. you have to be creative. You know? It's that creative yes. spirit that really drives um, what's important to, to the human soul. And being exactly. creative with your killing is, is great. And, and I mean, you have to be somewhat artistic to build a massive pyramid that people think are mountains from a distance, um, out of skulls and human bones. I mean, you, you can't just throw them all in a pile. You know what I mean? It's just going to keep falling down. If it's going to be big enough that people think it's a mountain, then you have to really like, think about the placement of these bones and the jaws and the skulls. I mean, femurs are really good for building structures like that. And you have to think about that when you're, you got to plan, you know, when you're, when you're building a, a sculpture like that. Right. I mean, artists it, are important.
1: Exactly. So he does. He ends up dying while he's off in battle one day, and and again, it's it's illness that takes him. Nobody nobody took out the con, and what they did was they didn't want word to get out and kind of be overrun. They wanted him to be able to be returned and and put his body, you know, where he wanted to be buried back back where he was born basically in that same valley. And so they wanted to head back basically everybody they came across they just killed them cuz they didn't want word to get out. So they were like, no. <laughs> and so anyway, they take him back, they put him down, but right before he died, he supposedly had the uh the the uh you know, dying quote. You know, everybody's got a quote from all these people. I don't know how we have quotes from 1200 years ago, but here it is. Um, I have conquered for you a large empire, but my life was too short to take the whole world. That I leave to you. And that's supposedly what he said to his son, Ogadi, who, believe it or not, a lot of people think that his empire just collapsed as soon as he died and he was the only thing that held it together. And this isn't really true. Kevin, you had some insight? Yeah.
2: Yeah. He had set up a, a, um, a complicated judicial system and justice system that, you know, people liked, they liked that. And, uh, you know, things were actually safe in the, in the places that he had ruled. And, um, his empire didn't even reach its full size until almost 80 years after he had died because his, his, uh, successors did a good job in, in conquering and in ruling. And that's, a that's a little bit wild because it was, it was in the 1600s actually when the, yeah. uh, last khan's uh, died out, you know, they had made it, you know, another 500 years, um, ruling massive empires and uh you know it it it, uh you know it really stabilized uh most of asia and eurasia um for for a long time based on on how well he was at being an administrator oftentimes a conqueror and an administrator are not the same thing and they're not good at the same things right but he he uh, was able to do both and actually set up a long line of success. And honestly, a lot of the uh, Chinese government uh, are still descendants of of Genghis Khan, uh, even today. Um, I'm not sure about Xi Jinping, but you know.
1: But if you, I feel like if you have a hand in everything, then doesn't your empire really live? Right? Huh? You know, they always say, we always talk about the, uh, you know, the weird bloodline, how George Bush and everybody's related and the Clintons and they're all uh,
2: 13th maybe, cousin or cousin right. 13 times removed from the queen of England. Right. you know who
1: Maybe, maybe, so. maybe it's all really coming from the con, you know, if we can dig back far enough, you know, I haven't really checked into the genealogy, but I feel like there could be a hand here, you know, it may really come back now. I was talking to the wife and she's like, oh, but, you know, what's left? And, well, I have to point out Mongolia is still a giant country. It's still a nice place and you can go visit there. Now, I would also point out the reason that they have China on a border and Russia on a border. And, you know, those countries are like down for seizing land and everything all the time. Why would they not be after Mongolia? Well, because there's kind of nothing there. It is... The Gobi Desert is kind of a giant desert. Um, le- like I said, it, it's hard and it's brutal. But
2: yeah, the the Mongolian uh, government actually offered to become part of the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union is like, nah, yeah, we're good. Really, yeah, we're, good. we're
1: gonna have to like send you something, and uh, yeah, you know, I don't even want to send a guy down there to talk to you. We'll just we'll just leave it.
2: Now, an interesting thing about Mongo- modern modern day Mongolia is is if you look at the most popular sports of yeah. the world, uh, you know, most of Europe it's soccer. Uh, the United States, I think it's I think it's football right now. Um, a lot of countries are really into uh, track and field type events, but if you get a mo- go to Mongolia, the most uh, the most um, popular sport is archery.
1: Yeah,
2: And they have a different way of of archery, a different way of shooting than we do in Europe. Um, You know, when you shoot an arrow, I know, Chuck, you're into archery a little bit. My son's into it. Uh, You use uh, your index and your middle finger and your thumb to hold the the arrow as you draw back. But the Mongolians only, they would pinch it between their thumb and their forefinger. And they have a different way of of firing their arrows than most of the rest of the world. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. And like, I kind of tempted and start learning uh, how they did it because obviously well, it was, it worked.
1: It worked. That's the bottom line. Um, I did look at, at some vacation and travel. Now my wife is like, Oh, we have to go to Italy. We have to go to Scotland. doesn't want to go like, to Mongolia, Mongolia. And, yeah. It turned out it's not as cheap as you might think. Really? Now, I couldn't even I didn't even bother to look up like the airfare to there because I, I already got shot down before I even Right. But before bottom line, if you search Mongolian tours, there are they're basically pretty much all of them seem to be about twenty five hundred bucks a person to ride around in a four-wheel drive with somebody and go hang out in a couple of yurts and look at people in fields and drive around the desert. And I feel like are those accommodations really worth $2,500 a person?
2: But when else will you have a chance to drink yak milk? That's you it. know what I mean? How often but do you eat yak? It doesn't come up very, it, very often.
1: When you see it, it's pretty amazing country when you look at the video and stuff of the land, um, it really is beautiful and awesome. And so as Kevin mentioned, they have this, uh, you were talking about the sports. They have this like event that's like 12 to 17 days. I think it was 17 days long and it's just amazing. And it's the archery and the horseback riding and the whole thing. There is no Disney world. Um, I do believe you can get the fermented mare's milk though. That, yeah, that I would is like available. would like
2: drunk on, on rotten milk. That seems right. super
1: expensive. That is their thing. And and you got that there. So I did watch actually a little while ago. Um, I was just sometimes at work I get bored and I, I watch anything I can find on Netflix or whatever. There was a, a movie called Burn Your Maps. Right. And it was about a little kid who thinks he's Mongolian. And he's like, you know, whatever. And he ends up going to Mongolia and they do kind of a big thing. And that was one of the first, you know, times I'd really looked into it and seen, you know, kind of the scenery and landscape and the whole thing of it all. You know, I'd seen yurts and whatever. I mean, this is right. nothing, you know, new to me, but I'd never really looked into their culture and that whole thing. And it, they really capture it. And it's pretty amazing they have some awesome stuff going on out there and if money's no object and you have time it probably would be worth the trip mm-hmm. and something amazing but i know there's a lot of things we want to do in life so right you know we all we all have our thing but i'm just saying you might want to check out the movie it was actually pretty decent little touchy feely and uh you know a little tear in your eye or something you're like oh that's nice and, you know that's how i get yeah, that and the Hallmark channel, you know. Yeah,
2: and if you if you have a chance, go online and look up uh, the statue that they made of uh, uh, Genghis Khan in, in yeah. Lungo. You can go see It's them. Amazing! It is amazing.
1: Well, you it's saw that our intro photo, the cover, mm-hmm. you see the bees?
2: Yeah, no, it was on there. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. it's uh. It's uh, it's it's impressive. Just pictures of it online is yeah. is impressive. I imagine being there would be uh, would be uh, interesting. I'd definitely like to go see it if I had a chance.
1: All I'm saying, he definitely earned the title Genghis Khan, Emperor of all men. So, you may want to uh, check it out. You may want to look a little more into what's going on there. Definitely a fascinating guy. Um. It's a crazy world. So anyway, don't forget to like, subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, leave reviews, something like that. We appreciate it. Share, tell people about the podcast, share it with other people. That'd be awesome. We'd appreciate it. Um, Anyway, uh, you can get badass gear. Join the email list at preppingbadass.com. You have questions, concerns, things you want to tell us, tell Kevin he's wrong, whatever it is uh, prepping badass at gmail.com.
2: Yep. Also, uh, like slow burn had said, if you're really interested in, in, uh, Genghis Khan, Dan, Dan Carlin court history, uh, put a couple of episodes of, of, uh, I think it was called the wrath of the cons. Um, and if you're interested in like 16 hours of, of learning about Genghis Khan, that's definitely a go-to it's, it's, fascinating it's he did a really good job putting those episodes now, together and, is he
1: as entertaining anyway. as we are though really
2: i don't know he talks a lot about lord of the rings and stuff so i mean
1: yeah whatever yeah.
2: you're into is, but, is what you're as far into. as
1: facts and information I, I kind of feel like when you listen to us it's kind of like drunk history you know i, just, <laughs> I, I always worry about that yeah
2: whatever right. i but, mean you uh, thought this coffee cup was full of coffee but it, it was whiskey Yeah, you know, it's an ugly road. So, with that, stay safe and we will talk to you guys next week. Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self Defense Radio Network.